Welcome to another message from LifePoint Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on LifePoint Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. In October of 1857, Hudson Taylor began to minister in Ningpo, China. And he led a Mr. Nye to Christ. And the man was overjoyed and wanted to share his faith with others. And he asked Hudson Taylor this question, how long have you had the good tidings in England? Because Hudson Taylor was from England. And Taylor acknowledged that England had had known the gospel for many centuries. My father died seeking the truth, Mr. Nye replied. Why didn't you come sooner? Taylor had no answer to that penetrating question. You could answer the question this way, how long have you known the gospel? You could ask it this way, how have you shared it personally? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Today we wrap up our, our January series, the theme series for the year on being bold. And today I want to talk to you over the next several minutes about being bold in witness. Jesus says, you know, listen, in other words, you will, as you look at Acts 1-8, you just come to grips and you look at the Great Commission in Matthew 28-19 and we come to grips that, that, that um, you will talk about Jesus wherever you go. That's the idea. When you are full of the Spirit, you talk about Jesus. And I know immediately, even this week, as I, I, I typed those, those words and that, that sentence, I was just at moments knowing that, man, there's times where I've not done that. There's conversations I know that I should have had where I didn't do that. But, but as I look at this and I think about it, the idea is that, that man, it's like God's heart is that, that, that when people bump up against us, it would be like them bumping up against the sponge that is just permeated water with water and they would get wet. So that when you and I are living life, that when people bump up against us, it's not you that comes out, it's Jesus that comes out. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And so my question as we get going this morning is, is this, who is God sending you to? Who is it that God has put on your heart? Who are you praying for and sharing Christ with? I mean, if we're going to be bold in witness, that is definitely part of that statement, right? God has called us to people that are reaching people. You could say it this way, um, found people, find people. Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Our job isn't to sit here and wait for people to come through the doors of our church. Though that happens, and we're grateful for that when that happens, our job is to go. 
I shared with you several weeks ago the challenge that I felt like the Lord had put on my, on my heart just personally, and this is my challenge. I'm not transposing it onto you, but I just really felt convicted. I felt challenged several weeks ago um, to just make it a point to weekly, um, intentionally share Christ with people that I come into contact with. For me, personally, because of what I do, it, it, it's easy for me to be surrounded within this facility and not be around those that are far from Christ. So I have to be really intentional. So I, I felt like, okay, God, help me to do that and, and help me begin that process. And so one of the places I do it, I begin implementing that is just when I go to the gym. And so that, my gym is my evangelism field in many ways. Just building relationships and, and having conversations. Obviously, my neighborhood and, and um, trying to, to do that in that place or, or just in the community with Chamber of Commerce. Just anywhere that I can go. God, I, I want to do that. To go and tell people about Jesus. Go and show people Jesus. That's what the early church did. And I want you to go to... Acts chapter 8, I want to, because we're going to have this living example for us here in Acts chapter 8. Understand, as we look at Acts chapter 8, it's a season of persecution for the church. And I want you to notice that in this season of persecution, we won't take a whole time to look at the earlier portion of the, of the, of the, of the chapter 8, but in this early season, in this uh, season of the church, it's a season of persecution, and they don't go and hide, they go. In verse 4, it says, those who had been scattered, they were scattered because of the persecution, preached the word wherever they went. I was thinking about this in a season of my life, and uh, we, I was uh, going to school at, the, at Colorado Christian University. It's a school in, in Lakewood, a suburb of Denver, and uh, my roommate was um, a friend from the church that I got and saved at. He was the pastor's kid of that church, and, and me and Jay made this pact. We were like, hey, anytime we go out at night, anytime we go out, we're together here, um, we have to share Christ with uh, a person that we come into contact with. That was like our deal. I mean, we're like, let's shake, all right? We shake, you know, and so that was, our, that was our, our deal. And so one night, we were like, hey, we need to run. I need to run and go get some ice cream or whatever at, at King Supers, which is the big grocery store chain out there. And, and so me and Jay went to King Supers, and we got what we had got, uh, went for, and we were walking out, and we were like, oh, man, we forgot to do what we uh, said we were going to do and share Christ. And so we were heading towards our car. We spotted somebody, had a big bullseye on him. And we're like, that's the guy. And so we walked over to this, this uh, young man, and we just began to engage him and talk with him and began to share Christ. And we were able to uh, pray for, for this guy um, out in the parking lot at uh, King Supers in Lakewood, Colorado. And we went back to our dorm, and we were just like high-fiving. We were so excited. We thought our, our uh, RA would be all excited about it. And we, we, um, uh, we went up our stairwell to our apartment because the housing uh, was apartments there at that college campus. And, and, um, and so we headed to our apartment, and our RA of our stairwell met us. And he's looking at his watch, and he's like, you know, you guys have broken curfew. You're evil. Right, and, uh, and he's like, you broke curfew, I'm going to have to write you up. And we're like, well, Andrew, man, just stop. Let us, tell, let us tell you what we were doing. We were like out there sharing Christ. I mean, this is a Christian school. That's what we're supposed to do, right? And he's like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. And, and then we're, so we unpacked the, the story, and, and uh, he was like, well, that's cool, but I'm still writing you up. 
And I'm like, that's persecution, right? And, um, and so we were like, hey, write us up. It's all for Jesus. And, and uh, we weren't bitter, but we were frustrated. Anyway, everywhere, to everyone, to anyone, Acts, gives us, Acts 8 gives us a great story of being bold in witness. Philip isn't one of the disciples. He's not an apostle. He's just a follower of Jesus. He isn't a preacher, but he does preach. He was a layperson. But he was a layperson who was full of the Spirit of God. And as he was scattered, he goes from Jerusalem and he's preaching to crowds. As you read earlier in the chapter, people are healed, people are delivered through his ministry. And when you get towards the end of chapter 8, now he isn't preaching to crowds, he is personally evangelizing one person. Have you ever been talking, I mean, over the last three weeks, we've been talking about being bold in prayer, we've been talking about being bold in faith and bold in worship, and today we're talking about being bold in witness, and I want to just give you three quick principles of evangelism, of sharing your faith, and, and that they would be a reality in all of our hearts to tell people about this incredible God um, that we serve, who, who loves them, who loves us, who um, is able to save, who's able to rescue people. And so we share the, the good news of the gospel. Let me just um, give you three thoughts. The first one is this. Evangelism was never limited to the church gathering. We love to see people come forward, right? At the end of service, an altar call is given, usually, and, and we love to hear about individuals raising their hand or, you know, um, or coming forward. And, and, and even sometimes if you've ever uh, just been in tune during those moments and, and uh, hey, if you want to receive Christ today in service, please slip up your hand. I'd love to pray for you. And someone raises your hand, their hand and, and you're like, I see that hand. And, and there's somebody else. Oh, I see that hand. And, and maybe there's someone over. Oh, I see that. And, and all of a sudden, as, as the who's ever leading the service says, oh, man, I see that hand. And, and all of a sudden, there's like, ooh, you know. And then, oh, I see that. And then, like, there's this fervency that starts happening. Oh, and people, you can start hearing people praying and all this stuff. Because we get excited, but this is what it's all about. And, and you feel the, the intensity in the room maybe going up. Man, it's wonderful to see that. It's wonderful even when we hear of what God is doing in other churches. But the reality is not everyone who needs Jesus is going to come to a church building. Most people that need Jesus aren't going to come to church, this church or any other church. Just think about yourself before you came to faith in Christ. That is why we have to be willing to go to where people are at. And that's what Philip does for us in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, and that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. God talks to people. He talks to us through his scripture. He talks to us through gifts of the Spirit. He talks to us uh, through fellow Christians. In this, this case, he talks through an angel. I mean, this is so interesting to me. In verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. When we hear that, when we see that word desert, we think of sand and cactus and camels and turkey vultures and scorpions and wild e coyote and the roadrunner right but in the new testament 
When you see desert, literally that means a deserted place. A place that doesn't have population or people. When you see wilderness, typically we think, of, at least I think, when I see wilderness or I hear, I'm looking in the New Testament, I'm reading scripture. When I think of wilderness, man, I'm thinking, I'm thinking the mountains of Colorado. I'm thinking skiing. I'm thinking snow. I'm thinking that, but that's not what that would mean. When the Bible uses wilderness, it is talking about a desert. Just side note. So the desert road is a wilderness road. The desert road is going south out of Jerusalem. It's a trade route that isn't highly traveled. It's a deserted road, at least in this moment. And Philip has been ministering in an area. Now think about this, all right? Because it's so easy for us to read this and just go on. But, but Philip is, is ministering in an area that has been extremely busy. It's been a, an incredibly productive season of ministry, right? I mean, multitude, hundreds of people are coming to faith in Christ. I mean, God's doing exciting things, right? Why would you want to go elsewhere when it's going so good? But God says to Philip, I have another assignment for you. You have been ministering to the crowds, but now I want you to go to the one. Just says to you and I, how valuable is the one? We know that because of the rest of the story, and we'll talk about it, all Philip hears is go. He doesn't know where he's, who he's going to see. He doesn't even know how far he's going to have to go. He doesn't even tell, God doesn't even tell him where to go. So he just starts walking, right? He doesn't tell him what to do. He just says, go. Go that way. And a lot of times, we want God to answer, or at least I want God to answer the who, the what, the where, the why, the how, before I go. And the angel says, go, and what does Philip do? He, he goes, and when it, it comes to having a, uh, a bold witness, it is a matter of going. You and I need to listen for the go, just like the Great Commission is all about going. And do you want to know how it works? This is how it works. You go. And when you go, you, you get more information about the who, what, where, why, and how. You don't go, and you wait for the who, what, why, where, how, the comfortable stuff. You don't get much of a response. That's what I found. But if we go, God sets his hand upon us, and if we don't, we miss the opportunity. So this week, this has been my prayer of this week for all of you, for all of us, is that, that you are going to have opportunity to go. You are, going to, you are going to hear God say to you, go. Go across the street to your neighbor now. Go. Go across your office and speak to that person now. Go. Go across your classroom and talk to the, your peer that you've never talked to, to before about, to, about. You've never talked to him before. Go. And the question then comes for you and I is, will you? Even if you don't know. Even if you don't know 
the information as to how you're supposed to engage that person. That is Philip. He is going to go. Listen, there are 10 churches in, in Valley Center. In the Valley Center Ministerial Alliance, there's, there's 10 churches. There's hundreds of churches in the metro area, right? If every one of those churches filled up on a Sunday morning, there wouldn't be enough churches for all the lost people in the Wichita metro area even if the churches ran multiple services. You think of Valley and the coming growth and development that's going to be happening in our community. Our community increasing with individuals, increasing with families that will have a physical address. But the question that's burning in my heart this week is what is their spiritual address? Because they will have an eternal home somewhere. We have to go. Yes, we're in the process. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. We're in the process of making some upgrades and making some changes um, in, to our facility to help uh, prepare us for, for just a different season of ministry. But listen, if the gospel fails, it will because we don't do the first two letters of the gospel. And that's go. I know it's heavy, but that's what God has entrusted to us. And you know what he's saying with that? He's saying, I'm with you. Go. That is why you and I need to hear the voice of the Spirit and heed the call of the Spirit to go. And how appropriate that, that Derek and Katie are with us this morning and they're saying, man, their, their story of being willing to go. I mean, they're going across... The, the pond, so to speak. I just want to be available. God, I want to go across the street. I want to go across the office. I want to go across the classroom. I want to go across the gym. Acts, tells us, Acts 8 tells us that even in the middle of nowhere, on a desert road, in a place that you would think no one would need to hear the gospel, there are people who need to hear it. And that's why we have to go. John chapter 4, verse 35 says this, Do you not say four, four, uh, four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for the harvest, right? Evangelism was never just meant for the church house. That's why one of our values as a church is that we'd be a church without walls. That's why this week, I mean, we, the partnership that we've had with Convoy and the things that we're doing just helps us, it pushes us, it propels us to, to go. The things that he does in here, he wants to do out there. Secondly, evangelism was almost always initiated by the Christian. Once in a while, the lost person is the one that comes. I mean, jail, Robin preached an incredible message last week about worship, but she referenced Acts chapter 16, and, and the jailer was like, man, after that event, I think I want Jesus. I think I need to get saved, right? But, but back in Acts chapter 8, verse 27, you see this. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, and, an important official in charge of the treasury. So this person would be comparable to modern-day a minister of finance or, in our, in our understanding of America, the secretary of treasure. The queen, so he was a, a servant of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, 
and his, on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Philip sees this official. He doesn't know the man. He doesn't know he had been worshiping in Jerusalem. He doesn't know if they speak the same language, but verse 29 tells us the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. I love that. In the book of Acts, the Spirit says 12 times to believers, go. Do you know what the Spirit says to the believer? The Spirit says to the believer, go. But do you know what the Spirit says to the unbeliever? Come. Come. This guy is a royal, a royal official. Philip is a common person. This guy is from Ethiopia. He's Ethiopian. Philip's a Jew. They have a language barrier, most likely, perhaps. And Philip is just going to go and walk alongside the chariot. And there's some incredible principles here. One of them is that, that you have to get close to people. I mean, look, there's three steps to evangelism right here in this text. Number one is build a relational, relational bridge. Verse 30. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading the prophet or reading Isaiah the prophet. It took effort. How many know? It took effort for Philip to get close. We have to be willing to go. I mean, I don't know how it all worked out. I don't know that the, the pace at which the, the chariot was moving, if it was pulled by what, how it was moving, you know. But, but I imagine in my mind that that chariot is being pulled by some horses. How many know horses walk a little bit faster than you and I walk? So maybe he's like doing some speed walking or something to, to get up close by. But I don't know. But he's a, intentional. How can I get near them to have the potential to talk with them? Notice also, he heard. He was listening. It just says to, to me, man, find out people's stories. Find out their why. As the old saying goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? People know you care when you're willing to listen to them. Secondly, Steer the person into a spiritual issue. Look at it, verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? Man, what a, what a great conversational starter. Ask a question. He opens the door with a question, and then he allows the Holy Spirit to guide the conversation. A great question to ask as you're talking to them and you're listening is simply to ask, hey, what, what are some things going on here? What, what are some needs that you have? And, and they may respond, I'm not even a believer. I don't even believe God exists. Say, well, how, if I could pray for anything for you, what, what would that be? And, and if, what would it take for you to respond to God? I mean, prayer is a game changer, right? And, and if you offer to pray for them and God does something powerful in their life, awesome. Listen for the defining moments and speak into them. Maybe someone is new to, you have a new neighbor. Use that as an opportunity to pray for them. Man, I know you're new here. I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. Is there anything specific that I can be praying for you about as you transition? Listen to conversational cues. I don't go to church. 
oh, really? Well, man, I go to a church. I go to, hope you think you, you go to a great church, right? You love your church. Man, I, go, I love my church. I, I want to invite you to, to my church. Maybe they're in a season of life or a situation that unfolded in their life, man, and they're not prepared for it. They just got laid off or, or um, they had someone close to them passed away or, or they're having a baby. How many know that's a game changer? What parent doesn't want prayer, prayer when they're getting ready to expect that baby? So look for those opportunities. What can I pray with you about that if it happened, it would speak to you, to your heart, that there was a God who is personal enough to care about you and your situation and powerful enough to do something about it. You're like, what do I do if I don't know the answer to their question? You know, all you do is, man, that's a great question. And I'm going to do some homework, and I'm going to try to find the answer to that. I'm going to search for it. And if I don't find it, I'm going to call Bill Kemp, and he's going to give me the answer, man. You know what I'm saying? Number three, be ready to give a clear presentation. Philip asks the guy if he understands what he's reading. Look at it, verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 35, then Philip began with a very passage of Scripture and told, them, told him the good news about Jesus. Philip begins to tell him about the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. You know, the suffering servant is, is the passage of Scripture out of Isaiah where he was, he was bruised for our, our transgressions. He was wounded for, um, he was, he was our, our, um, I, just went, I just messed up. Go read it. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I gave you the Steve Rains version and that was all messed up. But, but our chastisements were placed upon him. By his stripes were healed, Right? He explains the verses to him. You may not be a Bible scholar. That's all right. But if you can just explain the gospel, you're good. And there's a God who loves you. That he sent his son to die for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of humanity. You understand what sin is, right? Yeah, man, I I understand. I've, I've done some things. Right, me too. So that he did that so that you can be forgiven and have relationship with God. Trust the working power of Scripture, but also trust the power of the Holy Spirit to work in their life. There's a story of a 14-year-old young Christian girl in Korea who went to a Buddhist priest. She was so excited about her faith in Jesus that she began to walk her neighborhood and knock on doors and people would open the door, and, and her words to, to them was, God has sent me to tell you about his love. And one door that she knocked on was a young man, and, and he slammed the door in, his, in this young girl's face, and she kept coming back. It happened for 10 days. This young man was studying to be a Buddhist priest, and, and he had tuberculosis, and because of the TB, he would cough and it would cause him to spit up blood. And so there was a bucket next to his, his chair full of blood. And he said to this young girl that was persistent and coming to him, what do I need to do so that you will leave me alone? She said, if you won't listen to me because I'm a girl, 
Will you, you at least take, please take this book, it's the Bible, and begin to read this book. And so he said, okay, I will do that. And he opened it and he said, I will start in Genesis. And she happened to see the bucket of, of blood that he had spit up and said to the man, you don't have time to start in Genesis. You need to go to Matthew. To which he responded and he began to read the Gospel of Matthew. And she left him. And when we got to the end of Matthew, his story recounts that he prayed. Mr. Jesus, if you're alive, then you can forgive sin and heal my body. Buddha hasn't answered me. But if you will, and if you do, I will tell everyone that you are the Son of God. And he felt this warmness come over him, and he never coughed any more blood at that moment. And, and the man went down the street. He knew that there was a rescue mission ran by, by a Christian organization. And he went down to that, that rescue mission, and he met the man that uh, owned the organization, and he asked the man, will you disciple me? Will you tell me more about this Jesus and help me to grow to know him better? To which that happened. And that young man, that, that former Buddhist priest, went on to find found the largest Pentecostal church in South Korea, in Seoul, Korea. Not only the largest Pentecostal church in Seoul, Korea, but the largest church in the world. Over 700,000 members. His name is Dr. Paul Cho. He's since gone on to be with the Lord, but listen, I tell that story just to say to you and I, we don't know what God has for the people He is sending you to. The gospel opens people's eyes to the thing that they never know. They will never know from outside of receiving Christ. That is the incredible purpose for which He created you and I. You aren't here accidentally, but for a purpose. I love how Paul says, I love how the message paraphrase says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for, uh, uh, ready for us to do, work he had, uh, he had better, we had better be doing, excuse me. Eva evangelism is about showing people this God that loves them more than they can imagine and caring about their soul. Listen, everyone needs the chance to hear the gospel. The richest of Thailand to the poorest of Valley Center. Next thought, evangelism is always preceded by God's provenient grace. It's a big theological word, but let me unpack it for you. It's the idea that God is working on people's lives before you even ever go and talk to them. I mean, it just says to you and I that, that, listen, let's be humble enough to know it isn't all because of us. But let's be bold enough to know that we are part of a team. So go, 
I, I want you to think about your own life and your own journey of faith. I look back over my life before I was a Christian, before I, I even had desires to become a Christian and what was going on in the months and the years leading up to me uh, to that moment of salvation. I look back and I can't but not see, man, God was at work in my life, steering me and, and guiding and, and closing doors. And I mean, I had a group of friends that got involved in some heavy drugs and for whatever reason, um, I came from a broken home and my friends were, that, that was my family in many ways. That's, I could come and go from my home as much as I wanted. My, my parents didn't keep that good of tabs on me. Um, and, and, I, and I had a group of friends that got involved in some pretty heavy stuff. And for whatever reason, there was like, just this like, God, I look back and I call it his provenient grace in my life that, that man, I was just like, God just kind of moved me away from that. And then I look at other situations that unfolded in my life and I'm just like, I don't get it. You know, why don't I have that desire? That used to be fun. And all along the way, pe people that God put in my life and then finally that moment, back in March of 88, when God just said, listen, I'm moving in. Will you let me? Because it'll be really good if you do. God was working in the Ethiopian eunuch's heart before Philip stepped across his path. I mean, think about it. This eunuch had traveled 600 miles to get to Jerusalem. And in going to Jerusalem, he was an outsider. Have you ever felt that way? He was an outsider to that community. He was an outsider because he's a eunuch. He's castrated. He can't go into the temple and worship with everybody else. He's an outsider. Yet God is working and he's looking for, uh, for this God the Jewish people are worshiping. Reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip comes up to him. He doesn't know the guy's backstory. All he has heard is this. And Philip runs up to him and he hears him reading the, pro the book of Isaiah. But God was, has been working and Philip asks him if he understands and, and then he s starts explaining the gospel to him. And all it says to me is this, unless you and I are willing to run up to some chariots, where do you get the nerve to do that? You get it when you understand the Spirit is saying to you and I, go. Go. Go, but God, I'm too old. They're younger. They won't listen to me. Go. God, I'm too young. They won't listen to me. Go. God, I've not been saved long enough. I don't know. I don't know the Bible. Go. God, I'm not a part of that crowd. Go. And you realize the Spirit is working before you get there. The Spirit of God is leading you to that person because the Spirit of God understands you are the right person to reach that person at that moment. Yeah, you may not pray the, the prayer of faith with that person, but you know what you are doing? You're fertilizing the soil. You're tilling the soil. You're planting seed in the soil. You may be the, ne the, the next one may be the one that, that helps them come, come to faith in Christ. But man, go. 
Verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? All through the book of Acts, this is what you see. People get saved, and they get baptized. I mean, there is no waiting. There is no go to this class, and then you can get back. It's this, man, I want to get baptized. I need to get baptized. And so if you're in this room this morning and you've never been baptized and you're worried about your hair, worry about your obedience. Be baptized. Why? What's the significance of it? The significance of it is that, that it's symbolizing what God is doing in your heart. Be baptized. Acts, uh, verse 38, if the worship team would come. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. What's the, pow- I mean, what's the significance of, of baptism? Well, one of them is simply this, the power of God is present. When there's a baptism service, the power of God is present. I mean, here in this scenario, the heavens are opening, Right? Baptism is more than just a symbolic gesture. Baptism is a reality that God is present. Where did Philip go? It's kind of like, it reminds me of, where's Waldo? He's like, gone. where'd he go, right? Verse 40. Philip, however, appeared to Astus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Let me close with this. Two final thoughts, all right? We don't just come to be hearers of the word. We come to be doers of the word. This week, as I've already said, you and I are going to have opportunities to go. I mean, just... Think about it for a moment. Imagine if if everyone in this room walked out of here and this week shared Christ with somebody. And that person came to faith and said, what do I do now? And you said, well, I learned Sunday you need to get baptized. So we can do it now or I can call my pastor and we can do it Sunday. And it would be good if you went to church with me next Sunday. And let me introduce you to my family because our house is your house. Could you imagine if that happened this week? If every one of us did that and, and God granted us the, the privilege and the joy of seeing that person come to faith in Christ and they came to church with you next week, guess what? We have a problem. The house is full. And that's a good problem to have because new names have been written down in glory. Right? Think about that. Life 
A mark of life is life reproduces life. Right? And your faith in Christ, and listen, I don't want any of us to feel condemned. And, and, and if you feel any condemnation this morning, that's not God. That's not His game plan. But His game plan is to compel us and to stir us and to excite us and to move us. As one pastor friend, evangelist friend of mine used to say, to, to move us and at times get us off of our blessed assurance to go and go. Right? For some here today, God has been at work in your life for a long time. If you look over the shoulder of your life, you can see the evidences of God. I mean, you, you pause and you just close your eyes and you maybe ask a why or maybe a, a quick scenario comes to your mind. Well, how come my life was spared? I, I should have been killed in that accident. How come, how come God put that person in my path at that time in that season in my life because God is saying to you hey I'm working in your life you can see the evidence of God maybe but in that you've never said you know what I, I need to receive all that God has for me I need to receive the good things God has for me and, and today is that day maybe at one time you opened the door of your life but then you walked away and you shut it and you find yourself here today. Can I just tell you that God wants to step into your life right now? Will you acknowledge his activity in your life? And will you receive his grace in your life? Nothing is too great. Nothing is too small or too, too big that God's grace can't take care of. There's an incredible parable that Jesus tells of the good shepherd leaving his flock of 99 because he realizes there's one missing. That story illustrates Jesus leaving the 99 that are following him, that are in the fold, if you will, because he realizes there's one going, there's one lost, there's one missing. And so he goes out and he looks and he finds that one. Luke 15 later tells us the story of the prodigal son who said God to his father, I just want my inheritance. I want to leave. Uh, I want what I have coming for me in the future. I want it now. More or less telling his dad, hey, I wish that you were dead. I want what I have coming for me so I can go and live my life how I want it and I want to spend my inheritance like I want to spend it. Maybe that classifies that you've lived your life and he gets to a point in his life where he realizes how broken and empty and desperate and unfulfilled and unsatisfied he is and he says man the only thing that I can do is go home and I love the story he heads home and he's making up a plan to talk to his dad well listen I'm not good enough to be your son I'll I just will work along your servants and it the story recounts 
that it almost implies that daily the father is looking towards the horizon. Maybe this is the day that my son comes home. Goes the next day, looks, and finally he sees a silhouette walking down the road and he recognizes the silhouette. Have you ever done that? See a silhouette coming towards your house or down the hallway, it's dark, and you know, oh, that's Robin, oh, that's Caleb, oh, that's Austin, oh, that's Lincoln. God knows you well enough to know your silhouette even if you're off in the distance. And the dad doesn't just stand there there at the door with his arms crossed. Oh, I wonder what his story is. I wonder what excuse he's going to give me. No. What's the What's the father do? Takes off towards his son. And that's what, that's the heart of God for you, even if you've been a long way off. He's moving to you, towards you. You step towards him. Father God, as we come to the conclusion of the service this morning, I know we've gone long but God, I believe you're speaking to people and you're drawing people. And God, maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to come to you and receive you as their Lord and Savior to acknowledge, God, I've been far off. I've been that, that lost sheep. I've been like that prodigal son and I've been living for myself. And God, I want you to have your rightful place in my life. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to know you and to receive your love and to, to know your plan for me. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, and man, right now your heart's like going a mile a minute, it feels like, and, and there's something tugging on you in a very tangible way, and, and can I just tell you that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's God saying, listen, that's, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Will you allow me to come in and be your Lord and he he's taken the 99 steps if you will and he leaves the last one to you and your last one is yes Lord be my Savior and if you're here this morning and you and 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 that's what's resonating in you I need to say yes would you just slip up your hand I would just want to pray for you right where you're at if you say Steve would you pray for me I want I want to receive Christ this morning I want I want him, him to have his rightful place in my life. I just slip up, slip up my hand and say, yes, will you pray for me? Anyone at all would say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to say yes to you. Anyone at all would say that in this place this morning? God, you know us. I thank you that you're not afraid of any of us or anything that we've done. God, I pray that we would know you and let you be who you want to be but who you deserve to be in our life. Father, as we um, just come to the conclusion of this service, Lord, through this service, I would dare guess that you would have already put somebody in our, on our heart or on our mind maybe that we need to go to. God, we just want to pray for them. If someone else on your heart right now, would you just begin to pray for that person? Just lift up that person to the Lord in prayer. If uh, you don't have anyone, just ask the Lord, Lord, who would you want me to go to? 
and just begin to pray for that person, that first person that comes to your mind. God, we just pray for, um, pray for the couple of folks at the gym that I've been uh, building relationship with. I, I pray, Father God, for for just their hearts to begin to just be soft. I pray, Father God, that Holy Spirit, that you would just cultivate a, a heart of repentance within them, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that they would just be receptive to conversation and opportunity. I pray, Father, for family members that we have that are far, far, far from God. They look at what we do on a Sunday morning and how we live our life as mere foolishness and, and stupid. That we're wasting opportunity to live life to the fullest here on earth. God, I pray that, Lord, that they would bump into people and they would know you. God, that they would understand your great love and your activity in their life. God, that they would look over their shoulder and they would see the providential grace of God. God, as all of us, we just lift up that person to you. And we ask you for the power of your spirit to work. But God, we say to you, Lord, I am willing to go. Lord, send me, I pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening. And we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Raines.